1: What's up, guys? Kels Charles Maymer here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation, as always, with C. Hello. And no, that was not at 2 X
2: speed. That was real life. Uh, Happy Friday, everybody. The Cowboys went to uh, Tom Brady's house and came back with a win. Uh, I hope he retires. Now we go to uh, San Francisco to face the 49ers, and um, we need some help breaking it down. Like, how are we going to win this? And we have John Mishoda from The Athletic to join us. Hello. What up, what up? Are, are you as uh, worried about this game as we are?
3: <laughs> um I wouldn't say I'm worried. I mean, I think it's gonna be uh it's it's gonna be a very close game. I think it's gonna be very similar to when they played the 49ers uh last year at AT&T Stadium. With um, one
1: major difference, right, John?
3: sure yeah um that you don't trust the kicker as much you did last year no uh (laughs) I would say I would say I'm more confident in the offense right now than where I was with what I thought of the offense well one last year at this time but certainly a couple weeks ago in that Washington game they just showed me some things against Tampa Bay that I wasn't expecting to see and so uh I would say that they probably got a little bit more in their bag than I maybe thought. And I think they were keeping, holding some things back against Washington and being a little vanilla. So that that's probably the, the biggest positive. And i I also say that just the revenge factor, there's no question that this, the loss to San Francisco last year um, has been a big motivating factor going all the way back to, you know, training camp. So this is uh this is a good team. I mean, the way everything is kind of, unfolded for the Cowboys I think it's 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 a good path because you know there was definitely some doubts about beating Tampa and they did that there's going to be doubts about them beating San Francisco and they're certainly capable of doing that you get past that you probably play at Philadelphia another game that it will be difficult but it's certainly winnable and if you win that you're you know in the Super Bowl and so uh they're certainly capable of it um the NFC to me is just as wide open as it's ever been and so yeah they're a four-point underdog but they got it I mean, this game's like a coin flip to me. I go either way.
1: Yeah, I, I guess one of the things for me is that I I look at what this team has been able to do, and one of the words this season that they've personally used to describe themselves is resilient, and you can't deny that. But one of the other words that I would not be able to call him is consistent, and like that is what is the most concerning to me because you've seen their capabilities, and again, like I just feel like it's the it's a tale as old as time as a Cowboys fan or someone that follows or covers a team where it's like you look on paper and you're like, there's every reason, every reason why they should be able to do this. And then they go out and just pull something ridiculous, either in a good and a bad way. And you're just stuck there, like scratching your head like what? And I, I can't help but feel like this team should be performing at at least like more of a consistent rate at this point in the season than they have. Like, I don't feel good as good as I would like to going into from a fan perspective, going into this weekend with some of like the recent performances, if you will. Granted, last week yeah. again.
3: Yeah, you shouldn't. I mean, they've given you no reason to believe it. They have to prove that to you. Um, you know, this isn't the 90s Cowboys where you can give them the benefit of the doubt because they've won Super Bowls. I mean, this is far removed from that. So mm-hmm. that's why, in a way, I, I think it's good the way that this playoffs have unfolded where then if you get by San Francisco, I, I really think it's in their best interest to have to go to Philadelphia and beat the Eagles. I think this is a Cowboys team that plays to the to the level of its competition. And there's a part of me that sees them beating the 49ers. Somehow the, the Giants beating the Eagles. And then all of a sudden the Cowboys are hosting the NFC championship game that no one expected. You get the Giants and you're just like, this is the perfect scenario. And then the Cowboys lose that game when you're just like, everything was lined up here. What are you doing? This is the perfect, you couldn't ask for a better scenario. So in a way, it's like you you'd almost like to. I I really think that the best thing for this team is to go the roughest route, and that would be to go through Tampa Bay, to go through San Francisco, to to win uh, uh, at Philly, and then go to the Super Bowl and have to beat either the Bills or really the Chiefs or the Bengals. And, and I I think that you would get the best out of this team in every every one of those games because when they play to their best, they can beat any of those teams. But there's just been there's just too many times where, like you said, I think in, inconsistency is a good word that. There has been too much inconsistency for you to fully buy in. You know, you need them to prove it to you. Um, so I I mean I think that's fair to feel that way.
2: As a always scared Cowboys fan, never feel comfortable. Um, I saged my jersey last week. So <laughs> you guys are welcome for um lifting the Navy jersey curse. <laughs> for all to know
3: there were a lot of things being lifted a lot of, you know, the Navy Jersey curse, never beating Tom Brady, not winning a road playoff game in 30 years. I mean, there's a lot of good mojo to come out of that game that would make you think, Hey, this, this could be the year. This, this could be something special here. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I get where people buy in and, and think that this could be the year, but I also get, you know, what you're saying, Megan, I completely understand why you would be cautious about this. Um, yeah. So, I think the best thing you got going for you is that you're going against a San Francisco team that's 111 in a row. That's starting a rookie quarterback and everything's going great. And there's just part of you watching sports where you're like, "Yeah, this sounds good for a storybook, but in real life, how often does that guy just keep it rolling all throughout the playoffs and then into the into the Super Bowl?" I mean, I'd say that eventually they're going to come back down to earth. Certainly, it reminds me of the 2016 Cowboys when they were rolling with Dak his rookie year. And you go in the playoffs and they clearly were the favorite. They should have come out of the NFC that year and they lose to Aaron Rodgers at AT&T stadium and in, in the divisional round. Like there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, maybe it's time that Brock Purdy, you know, kind of comes back down to earth and, and plays more like a, uh, you know, Mr. Irrelevant draft pick as opposed to a pro bowl player, like he's playing right now.
2: Nothing so, would make me happier than being Brock Purdy's um, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so, you know,
1: Dak. Yeah. You got this. So I have a question for you. I, uh, You mentioned that they didn't bring out all of their tricks, if you will, bec- around Washington. What was your favorite thing that you saw this team do that you felt was most impactful that they kind of decided to save for this game, if you will, or at least recycle for this game? And then what about anything that you think, based on being in the building this week, that you could foresee this Cowboys team trying to do come this weekend?
3: Well, one thing for sure was to going with that Connor McGovern fullback package, just because you could have shown that Tennessee, you could have shown that at Washington, uh, they, it wasn't like the running game has been struggling just recently it had been struggling for a while. And Mike McCarthy had mentioned to us that they were going to start using some more fullback stuff later in the year just if the tight ends weren't blocking better and so I thought that was an interesting way to start the game and it showed you that they were willing to do some other things even though we have seen it in the past but you know we uh Dak talked today and so after his you know press conference is over a few of us walked off with him and I said to him about the because to me my favorite play was his rushing touchdown because that's not something we've seen all year and so I said to him I go was that something that you know there was just no way you guys would have showed at Washington and uh and he's like no that's the thing that we that it's been held back all year he said we probably got two or three more play, play calls like that that are just like we're, we're not going to you know burn those at certain times in the season unless you absolutely need to and so and, and and you know just we don't get to watch all practice but just early portions of practice and things like that they do things with the running backs and, and you know with Zeke and Pollard being on the field at the same time that they haven't really shown a ton of in games that you were always kind of left like well when are they going to pull that out and so Last year, going into the playoffs, I felt like that was the case. And we just didn't see a lot of that stuff against San Francisco. So to see some of that against Tampa Bay, I I really, it really made me think like, okay, that there was a plan. There was a reason why things look so vanilla against Tennessee, against Washington, the back end of the season, you know, because as critical as, as, as anybody wants to be of Kellen Moore, it's hard to argue that he didn't have a great game plan for that Tampa Bay game.
2: Oh boy. Um, there is also something that is different this year than, um, last. I want you to, uh, talk Purdy to me. Uh, what is this? Who is this guy?
3: I mean, I <laughs> knew of him at Iowa state. Cause he was, he, I mean, he, there is a little bit of Dak Prescott there in the sense that he's a really good college player, but you wondered, okay, well, will all of that transfer over to the NFL, but he has all those intangibles <laughs> like like Dak did where he is, the leadership qualities, you know, uh, in big moments, he doesn't look nervous. He just kind of has like, uh, a confidence to him that let's be honest, 2016 Cowboys. Yeah. Dak was great, but they had a really good offensive line. You had Des, uh, you had Zeke obviously was the the league's leading rusher. The defense was playing well. Dak didn't have to do everything. He just had to be solid and not turn the ball over. And that's, a that's pretty much where Brock Purdy is right now. When you have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, like, is and a really good offensive line, just don't make the dumb play. And 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 he's done a great job of not doing that. I mean, there's some, been some plays. He'll throw some short passes that Debo Samuel turns into a 7 yard touchdown. You know, those are the type of things when things are going well that happens for you. The thing for the Cowboys is what they have to do is they have to give him some looks and put some pressure on him that he hasn't seen. And so, you know, I think the best chance to do that is Dan Quinn coming up with a, a completely different plan um, then maybe the Niners are expecting with Micah Parsons, maybe moving around even more than we saw against Tampa Bay so that even if he's not getting home, he's keeping this rookie quarterback guessing about, Hey, you know, you know, almost like seeing ghosts. Like I got to make sure I know where 11 is on every play because, you know, he can wreck this game and just, you know, where he's always in the back of your mind. I think that that could be, uh, that could be a big, uh, momentum swing in this game. If you get a play from, from Micah, the other thing is a Trayvon digs, you know, not many people have been. Uh, you know, throwing in his vicinity. Obviously, if you're having those 11 interceptions last year, maybe a rookie quarterback makes a mistake and throws a bad ball. Trayvon turns it into a pick six. I mean, a, a play like that in a game like this, it just completely changes everything. And so that's what they have to, they have to make Brock Purdy play more like a rookie than 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 the veteran that he's looked like recently.
1: So question for you then, if, you know, Brock Purdy, I have to imagine again, like you mentioned, all these weapons they're pretty incredible. Let's just say removing him from the, from the picture, because I feel like when you're empowered with all of those guys, it's not easy, but at least easier to get the job done. If you were to pinpoint the number one concern that you have for this Dallas Cowboys team going into the weekend, when it comes to their opponent, what would it be?
3: It's probably their tackling. I mean, there's been games this year where they didn't tackle very well. And then they respond to the next week and they were outstanding. They can't even be okay in this game. They have to be great at tackling. If you give, if you give Debo Samuel a chance to break tackles, he's going to turn five, 10 yard gains into 50 yard gains and huge plays. And, and you're in trouble if that happens. And you can say the same thing about Christian McCaffrey. And so the concern I have is if you watch that Tampa Bay game, Trayvon Diggs did not tackle well. And that wasn't the first time that that's happened. Um, I, th- Kyle Shanahan's one of the best offensive minds in the game. I think he's going to be running some plays, particularly early, uh, that are going to get the ball in the perimeter to force Trayvon Diggs to make some tackles. And so he's going to have to step up in that sense. And those are going to be some pretty good players coming on, coming around on his side, whether it be Debo, whether it be Christian McCaffrey. Um, so that would be, that's one area. If you tell me that the Cowboys tackle really well, uh, then they'll be in good shape late to, to, to win this game. If they're, uh, you know, not if they're not assignment sound, they're missing tackles. The fundamentals aren't there, which is a possibility because let's be honest, they're not going super hard in practice this week. They're coming off a Monday night game. There's a lot of walkthrough stuff. You know, it's not like and not, not to mention, it's not like these practices are. It's not 1965, like they're not killing each other in practice anyway, especially during the playoffs. And so they need to be at their absolute best tackling in this game. Uh They're just you can't give those. Uh, opportunities to, to have, you know, like I said, five yard gains or even like a small two yard gain turn into 15 yards that that's the type of stuff that'll get this team beat.
2: I'm going to give you a problem and I want you to give me your best solution to it. Bosa.
3: Well, the nice thing (laughs) about Bosa is that even though he does have, you know, he led the league with 18 and a half sacks, you know, where he's going to line up. So because of that, you know, you can have an Ezekiel Elliott in the in the game plan that, hey, you're going to be going out there a lot to chip him, slow him down. Whereas like Micah, you never know from play to play where he might be. He might be dropping back into coverage. Bosa doesn't do as much of that. So you know where he's going to be at. So if Tyler Smith is having some trouble there, you can give him some extra help with a tight end or like I said, with Zeke. I think that's the way you kind of, you know, neutralize him. And the other thing is that I think, bodes well for the Cowboys is that, that Tampa Bay game is the, is the best we've seen Dak in terms of his mobility in a while. And so Dak knows where, where Bosa is going to be. So if, if he's winning over on that side, at least he knows, Hey, I gotta get, I gotta get out of the pocket. I gotta move this way. This guy's coming from over there. We know he's a game wrecker. Let's, you know, let's, let's make sure we, we don't let him do that. And so because he lines up in one spot, most of the time, I would say that, it's easier to game plan for that situation. It's literally the reason why Dan Quinn will not just make Micah Parsons just a right defensive end is because he wants that ability to, Hey, put him over the center, put him over at, at left, you know, drop him back as a linebacker where Bosa doesn't do as much of that. So he's obviously a great defensive player. He's out. I mean, he's going to win NFL defensive player of the year. So, uh, it's, it's not like you're going to completely shut him down and, and, and I, and I beat this dead horse. So I'm going to do it again that was to me is, is that was the most disappointing thing in the 49ers, uh, game last year was that Bosa got hurt and he wasn't in there when the Cowboys are at home and everybody wants to talk about that last drive, but it's the second from last drive. You don't have Bosa out there. You don't have Fred Warner out of there. That's when the Cowboys at home needed to go down the field and score a touchdown and win that game. And, and, uh, it's not like Nick Bosa just got good this year. He was outstanding last year too. So, um, yeah, he's going to make plays. There's just no way you're going to completely shut him down. You just got to minimize how much impact he has.
1: So let me ask you this, because I feel like everyone's talking about all the matchups, the offensive weapons, and you know, Purdy versus Dak, and all of those things. But I, I guess for me, one of the biggest matchups in my mind is the Dan Quinn and Shanahan matchup. And we all know who came out victorious last year. What do you think Dan Quinn's game plan is going to be? And I mean, are you are you feeling confident that at least in that battle, the Cowboys can come out successfully, or is that going to be the tightest one of the game this weekend?
3: Yeah, that's, that's difficult for me to, to really give an edge either way with Shanahan on offense and, and Quinn on defense, because to me, that's like, um, that's like that to me is Micah Parsons going against Patrick Mahomes. Like they're both going to, they're both so good at what they do that there's just not going to be a game where one completely shuts down the other. They're both gonna have situations where they win. And so you just got to be the guy that wins more uh than the other. And and it it's tough. Like I I I can't sit here and say that I would give the advantage to either one of them. They both know each other well. They both do different things than they were doing when they were coaching together. I mean, that's one of the big things everyone always talks about with Dan Quinn. He's not playing the same defense he was in Seattle. They're not playing the same defense that they did when he was Atlanta's head coach. And so uh, and he certainly didn't have Micah Parsons at that time. He didn't have Trayvon Diggs. And so, um, and the same thing for Shanahan. I mean, he didn't have Christian McCaffrey uh, last year. That that takes their offense to a completely another level there. So uh, it's it's going to be a great chess match. I just, I don't think there's a significant va- advantage one way or the other. Um, but uh, to take it to negative town real quick, even though if it is yes. a, a Cowboys win, <laughs> I will say this. I don't see any way that that Dan Quinn is back next year on the on this Cowboys staff if they beat the 49ers because his stock is just going to skyrocket I mean it already is like I already think he's going to probably get a head coaching job but if they're able to shut down the Niners and this 11 game winning streak and get the Cowboys the NFC Championship game for the first time since 1995 I mean I don't know how much better a defensive coordinator's resume can look than that
0: support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity
1: I'm not really big into betting, mainly because that takes focus and I have to, like, you know, really think about it. And I couldn't help, though, despite all that. But notice that the line was at four. (laughs) Do you feel like they're just messing with us? Like, is that just totally, are they just, like, laughing at us in our Brett, Brett Maher situation? Or is that just, you're like, nah, that's just usual. I mean, again, like, I've seen the lines, but I'm like, really, guys? Like, really?
3: So wait, so do you think four is too high?
1: No, I just think it's funny because it's like reflecting directly like Maher's like misses.
3: Like oh, this. okay. Okay. I wasn't looking at that way because I was going to say I'm big and I don't, oh. I don't bet on like on football. I, I mean, I have bet on, uh, you know, I, I go to Vegas um, for the first round of the NCAA tournament. I've, I've done that several times. And so um, I like that. I never win, but it's fun. It makes some meaning, meaningless games more interesting, especially in the middle of the day on a, on a Thursday in in Vegas. So I, but in terms of betting on the NFL or college football, I don't, but I always know the odds of games because I'm always interested in looking them up. And, and frankly, I thought that four was very, very uh, respectful because you look at the lines of these other games. I mean, four is the closest out of any of these four games. Um, And I think that coming off of that Washington game, let's say that this was the wild card, like it was last year coming off of that Washington loss. Um, and, and so there's no Tampa Bay, no Dak getting right. I think the Niners are favored by seven or eight. Like, that's how big I think that that the way the Cowboys played against Tampa Bay, that it lowered it back down to four. Because I thought for sure San Francisco would be favored by a touchdown. So um, I don't think it has anything to do with the kicker. I just think that that is probably what people feel like. I mean, this game, to me, just it screams 24-21. Like, that's just, I don't know. That's just the way I feel like this type of game is going to be. Um, so I, I, I like the line. I think it, I think it's pretty good. I think it's right on.
1: Okay. So biggest storyline to watch then, because again, like, there's just, I really don't think you could ask for much more when it comes to this game, the legacy of this matchup, even in recent history, (laughs) like what are you personally most excited for?
3: Well, for me, I mean, Dak's always a great story, obviously. Um, you know, just the idea of, I mean, his story off the football field is fascinating, but then just over the last couple of weeks to go from playing arguably your worst game to arguably the best game of your career. and, And you're a quarterback that's been a starter for seven years. It's not like this is like on a two, three year sample size. That's fascinating. And that always will be how will he play coming off that game? His confidence should be sky high. Um, but to me, Micah Parsons is the reason that they put together back to back good years I mean that's the thing with the Cowboys for so long it's been one good year one down year one good year one down and then to put it together back to back he has been the you know the 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 thing that's put them over the top you know and obviously Dan Quinn's ability to move him around and use him in a bunch of different ways and so for me it's like it's so easy to look at this matchup and say if you tell me those two guys if Dak and Micah play really well then the Cowboys will be fine I mean look at the look at the Tampa Bay game Look at the Tampa Bay game. Look at the Minnesota game. Those are the two best games the Cowboys have played. And in both those games, I mean, one, Micah set the tone early in both. And Dak played well. And so if those two things happen, then the Cowboys are going to be in a great spot. The other storyline, and it, it just there's no way that it can't be discussed, is just Maher. I mean, if this game was going to be at AT AT&T Stadium, I'd say... I don't think you really have much to worry about. He's going to get back to a place where he's kicked a ton. He's played very well all season long. It's indoors; there aren't any elements. It's on turf. There's so much consistency with that. He's going to go to another outdoor venue, one that he hasn't kicked in a game before. Potential for win. Maybe the field conditions aren't perfect. It's going to be on grass. Um, there just there's concerns there because yeah, he kicked well today in practice, but there's not eighty thousand people at practice, you know, and and at practice today, whether how he kicked it was not going to determine if they got a chance to go to the NFC championship game. And so I, you know, I'm at the point where it's like, even if he makes the first couple of kicks, I still am going to be kind of skeptical of like, well, what if it comes down to a field goal? Like, where's his mindset going to be there? You know? So, um, that is, that's a huge, that, you know, that's a huge factor. And it is kind of interesting that, you know, that the line hasn't moved at all. Like, I mean, it's moved from four to three and a half and back and forth like that. But, um, You know, that's just such a big part of these games. Playoff games in general are close, but this game is going to be close and, and field goals and extra points, uh, you know, they're just going to be important. And I, I just don't know, you know, anybody on the outside is is super confident that Brett Maher is going to come up with big kicks. He might, I mean, that is sports, the rebound and have a big game, but I'm not super confident in it.
1: What do you think happened? I mean, I'm just like, it remind it just, it's alarming. I mean, I remember again, uh, shameless plug for John Machado's work uh, if you guys are not subscribers of The Athletic you should be because I have the app and in the middle of the game I'm getting like this historic notification about how Brad Maher is making NFL history in all the wrong ways I mean I just I don't even know like what to say like it's just it is he repairable like as someone with anxiety I can't not imagine. like, I think, I feel like at one point in the game, I, I was like, is he tearing up? Because I would be absolutely hysterical.
3: Yeah. It's a tough spot to be in too, because it's like, you know, if Dak's struggling, you can be out there, you can do, you can run a certain play or something that you're like, Hey, I know if we run this, you know, he'll kind of get back on track. Let's get him a nice, easy throw. Maybe get him out in some space to where he can get some time to, you know, maybe get his eyes right and survey the field with a kicker. There's no, like, Really warming up. It's hey, come out here, and it's a big moment. And so the only thing I can point to is mental. I mean, talking to we got talked to John Fossil earlier in the week, and he was even saying like there wasn't you know a lot of times when there's missed kicks, it will be like ah the snap was low, it was a bad hold, or you know you know whatever. And that wasn't the case on these. You know you could tell the first two the way he missed them, it was a mental type thing. And then that third one, he overcorrected to try and go the opposite direction. And then just the fact that they're mi- completely missing the kicking net and then it's four extra points and it's four in a row. That just, that's all mental to me. There's not anything physical uh, there. It just mentally, he wasn't in a good space and, and uh, you know, it, it kind of just snowballed.
2: I truly hated to watch that. Um, we do need to really um, look at Kelsey Charles as to why he did not make it. Um, she did not wear her Brett her Jersey that Jack sent her. Um, so she will be that oh, this week
1: <laughs> I, will. I will I uh I need to figure out how to get my hands on it because unfortunately I am um I've been really busy the last couple of weeks and so I haven't been able to make it to the facility like I was supposed to today and um yeah I need to get my hands on that I'm pretty sure I will literally drive up there for you because <laughs> when I, when I tell you I was like halfway through the game I was like Oh my God, do I have to go get this jersey? I might have to drive to Frisco and get this jersey. Like, I feel insane, but I'm considering driving to Frisco to get this damn jersey. She literally wrote Brett
2: Maher's name on a napkin and put it in her shirt.
1: Listen, desperate times. All for desperate <laughs> measures. <laughs> it kind of worked. Okay. Like, it kind of worked. I'm going to take some credit. He Everyone's didn't like, you take- did. He did, and I'm gonna take that for what it's worth. Like, but now I feel really conflicted. Like, superstitious wise, am I supposed to wear the jersey or am I supposed to wear the bib? Unclear. Definitely the jersey.
3: Oh, I think anything, whatever you did that day, you you just don't do that again. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Whatever I mean, whatever shoes you're wearing, uh, jersey shirt, whatever, like you don't go anywhere near that thing.
2: Don't worry. <laughs> I'm gonna resage my jersey, guys, just to get yeah. the,
3: the kick off. You know, <laughs> let
2: me. Uh, I need you know what's the go.
3: best thing about that. Yeah, you guys, you guys might enjoy this. So I think it's funny. Uh, that Maher's struggles were one of those things that, um, obviously that was a very, very highly watched game. I think it was over 30 million viewers. No surprise. I mean, the Cowboys playing anybody in the playoffs is going to be a big TV number, but the fascinating thing about the brett maher thing is that that became bigger than sports that's like one of those things where like my mom's texting me about it i was talking to newie scruggs from nbc5 and he was talking about how like on the news side you know people that don't even care about football are reaching out like hey we need to do more on this story they want to know what's going on with this kicker thing like why are they missing all the you know whatever like it's 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 wild how you know kicker punter long snapper when you're really talking about any of those positions." to this extent, it's usually because of something bad. It's very rarely that you're, you know, it's very rarely that Brett Maher goes, you know, five for five and they're going to do a 30 for 30 on it, you know, but you miss <laughs> kicks in the Super Bowl or whatever. That's when 20 years from now they go back to, well, oh, what is that guy doing now? Like, what town does he live in? You know, and then like he's you know, depressed or whatever that, you know, and then that's always the moment you go back to. And um, yeah, it just it kind of sucks because it is one of those things where, you know, you don't it doesn't balance out like Dak struggles he gets hated on, but when he plays really well, he gets an enormous amount of credit, you know, and, and whereas like Brett Maher, he can go out there and make all four, um, extra points Sunday and people will be like, well, yeah, that's your job as you're supposed to do.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched the four or five falls of Buffalo five. So oh, yeah, that that's the stuff that you don't want to be. We were, we were featured in it in the best way. Um, right. We six, <laughs> if we're being honest, um, but, <laughs> In the meantime, I really would like us to keep from having one of those made of us. I want to know, though, what you make of, like, the talk around this game before and after. I feel as though there was a, there's a lot of goalposts that got moved um, during that game. Because before we played that game, I heard a lot of, it's Tom Brady, you're going to lose. And, like, he's going to run all the way to the Super Bowl and win. And then afterwards, it's like, you beat my 90 year old grandpa. And um, they were like, eight, and nine, who cares? So what do you make of that?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, because after the game, I was talking about that uh, with KT and Sod on, on our podcast. And it was, I was like, I wonder how this is going to be because it was like, we recorded right after I got back from the locker room. And I threw out that possibility. Um, it's just funny the way that that works, though, because if the game was even close, nobody would have said that, but Brady looks so bad. And I think credit has to go to Dan Quinn, the defense, Michael Parsons, that they ne- never really allowed him to get comfortable. Um, that pick in the back of the end zone, he threw to Jaron curse in the red zone is, I mean, that's as bad as I've ever seen Tom Brady. And, um, You know, there's a little bit of that with the way Aaron Rodgers played this year at times, you know, but then when Aaron Rodgers goes and comes back and and beats the Cowboys, you know, then everyone's like, oh no, he's still Aaron Rodgers. And so I, I will say this, um, I don't think Tom Brady's done playing football and I don't think he's going to be playing in Tampa next year. I think he'll go to another team and it'll be a team that is probably better suited. It looks a little bit more like the way Tampa Bay looked when he showed up where it's basically had all the pieces to win. They're just missing the quarterback. And I think he's going to look pretty good next year. And so th- you'll have that to go back to. I don't think that he's done. I don't think that's his last game, but yeah, th- that's just sports in general, though. When stuff like that happens, you know, I, I, I think it was impressive that it didn't matter if it was Tom Brady or, or, you know, Blaine Gabbard or whoever playing quarterback to, to play as well as the Cowboys did. Uh, that was impressive, especially coming off that Washington game. So yeah, people can say whatever they want about the Brady thing. There's been, he's been written off so many times by myself included that, um, yeah, that's just, that's always going to happen with him. But at the end of the day, when you look back on it, he's won more Super Bowls than anybody else and you got a chance to beat him. So, uh, there's, you, you know, you can't make everybody happy and and it's impossible to try to.
2: Okay. I so- mean, if we win this week, it's going to go from the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFC to, um, Brock Purdy is a third string Mr. Irrelevant. And that's all we're going to hear about.
3: <laughs> literally
2: that posts yeah.
3: yeah that's very possible for sure but the the tough thing about that is that Tampa Bay struggled throughout the year so you at least have that backing it up um since really McCaffrey got traded it's hard to argue that San Francisco isn't one of the best teams in the league and the fact that you would think... end a, and the fact that you'd end 11 game winning streak I mean for people to say that and and then also in their building yeah that would be that would be silly <laughs> people
1: are silly so I what actually have thinking? to ask you to call your shot before we let you go. Um, and sorry, I was trying to look up my <laughs> thoughts on the matter. Um, hence my delayed response. All right. So if Tom Brady's playing next year, where's he going to play Johnny?
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean the Raiders are a possibility. Uh, the Miami dolphins, um,
1: New York jets.
2: That's my thought. Oh. Mm,
3: yeah. Uh, and then i also this is a little yeah, this is a little bit of a long shot but then i also i would never rule out uh san francisco i mean oh, yeah. if if brock, brock purdy keeps winning then they would never do something like that but um i mean brady is uh you know a niners fan growing up you know it's joe good. montana fan i mean he would love to be able to win there so um yeah i think that would probably make the most sense yeah new york though that yeah i mean the only reason I said Miami is because I know the, like his, I'm pretty sure his kids are still in Florida. So maybe that would be, uh, you know, that'd be an interesting move. And then obviously they have some weapons there. And then uh, the Raiders, I mean, I don't know if you really want your kids moving to Las Vegas, but uh, I just, <laughs> I think that that would be uh, an interesting spot too, because they seem like they're some good quarterback play away from make possibly making a run.
2: Well, if he goes to Miami, what happens with Tua? I personally wouldn't, be surprised. Like, I think that he might need to retire just because he's t- had so many concussions. Am I crazy? Yeah.
3: yeah, no, no. I mean, that's, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, that would be, if that happened, it would be certainly because of something that, you know, his doctors talked to him about and his family and that, um, I, I still think he's going to play. I mean, the odds are that he'll be the dolphins quarterback next year, but if they were going to go in another direction, man, Tom Brady would make a lot of sense if he was interested.
1: All right, guys. Um, well, there you have it the one and only john mashoda the friendliest of friends of this here podcast john thank you for coming on we always appreciate it. it's always a delight
3: well thanks for having me it's always an enjoyable time talking to you both about cowboys football and other topics like taylor swift
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm still i'm still heated about that we got i got to have a chat with these guys
1: and for uh huh what we need to do is we all got to get together again and have this podcast over a beverage and then we'll really, <laughs> really have some takes and content for y'all. We get we get like spicy when we're like all hanging out together, and then it, I just feel like <laughs> that would be we gotta we gotta run that back. Yeah, we get some Machota hypotheticals, and we love that. And we'll throw Dev in the mix, and like there'll be dogs running around, and it would just be like this <laughs> one big beautiful cluster. And I think I think the world deserves it. Yes, I, I look forward to that. To shout shout out Saad
2: for um, appreciating the all-too-well 10-minute version, as everyone should. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, John, let the people know what you're working on, where they can find you. Again, I'm sure if they're listening, they know everything and everything about you, but let's just remind them just in case.
3: Yeah, on Twitter, at John Machota, J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A, uh, and at The Athletic, I mean, uh, with, as long as the Cowboys keep winning, I mean, I'll be writing just about every single day. Uh, because people want to read about the Dallas Cowboys. So hopefully that continues. And uh, there's a lot of content to put out, but, uh, Saturday morning is, is usually when I have and and this Saturday morning, I will, uh, my notebook that's kind of wraps up everything from the week. And so uh, there'll be a lot of stuff in there, uh, from talking to Dak Prescott and, you know, CD lamb and Micah Parsons, Mike McCarthy and things like that. So, uh, that, I think that, you're not going to find a better preview for the game than that, because it's just, it really is like one place where, yeah, it's going to be, you know, a couple thousand words, but it's just like kind of one place that has really just everything you need to know.
2: All right, We're hundred percent right on that.
1: It is true. I've John is in my regular, that sounds bad. John, you're my regular rotation. <laughs> everything that John does is in my regular rotation. I read Twitter every day.
2: I read his stuff every day and I listen to his podcast every time it comes out.
3: I appreciate that very much. Thank you.
1: All right, guys. Well, make sure you subscribe to the Blog of the Boys podcast wherever you get your podcast—whether it's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, or Stitcher. Coming out with Meg and I as well on social media. I'm on Twitter at kelsey underscore charles. I'm also on Instagram at hey kelsey charles. And Megan is—I
2: am at Meg Murray with four R's on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Um, and since I finally became the merch girl of everyone's dreams, we did <laughs> get the t-shirts out this week, you guys. So, uh. I just feel really good about how Meg's going to sign us off. And just, if you didn't get your t-shirt, we might have some extras. I got to move first and then we'll figure out the inventory issues and then let you know what we have. But we also hint, hint, discussed a, um, you know, a run of a different color and such. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to be, it's going to be lit. But in light of that, Megan, leave the good people with what they need to know. Dallas forever, Philly for never. Words are not real. Bye, guys.